you do because he's the greatest person you can know. You know, sometimes people talk about their friends and their influences and things like that. And we know the creator of the universe and he has a personal relationship with us and us with him. Amen. I'm telling you what, that is a great reality. And I thank the Lord for it so, so very much. Well, I've enjoyed the music this morning. It's just such a blessing being able to be a part of that and to hear it and like Ernie says to hear it not only once but twice but we are looking forward to getting into our new building amen to that we've been in this process for two years we had a great work day yesterday unbelievable work day yesterday just folks up there and got uh, got the cover on we finally got it to where the rains can come off I uh, I started praying that the Lord would help us to get it dried in before winter that was last year. That's true. It was August of 2014. I find that I need to be a little bit more specific with my prayers. You know, God takes me. He says, all right, some winter we'll get it dried in. So, and then the volunteer Christian builders, didn't they do an amazing, amazing. They've only been here for two weeks. They're going to take off this week out that we have uh, uh, this coming up week, but then they're coming back for two more weeks and Wow, I tell you what, we've got windows in now and we've got the paper on and we've got uh, almost it entirely framed upstairs and downstairs. Uh, just amazing. In fact, when you walk into the uh, the children's church, if you ever go upstairs, the children's church is as big, almost as big as our auditorium here. It's just, I mean, I walk in there and I go, wow, this is amazing. Just could not envision it, could not envision it. We have a great God. In spite of us, you know, as uh, Darlene and uh, uh, Glenda sang this morning, it's he's he's our friend. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And as I was singing that, I was thinking to myself how that a real friend will tell you what you need to hear. Amen to that. And so as we come to the word of God this morning, God has something for us to hear this morning. And I want to encourage you. That God would speak to your heart as he would mine as well. Father, I pray that as we get into the scriptures, that it will be uh, insightful, but also uh, prick our hearts where it needs to be pricked. And if there's folks here that don't know Jesus as their Savior, as their friend, as, as their God, as their Lord, whatever it might be, that, Lord, that they would come to a greater intimate knowledge of him this day. And we'll praise you for what you do through the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, if you'll turn there, we're turking, 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 talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And you'll notice that we've changed our little logo up there. We started this a couple weeks ago. You'll see this is Poor in Spirit Part 2. That means Part 1 was last week. Now, I've already said that this Sermon on the Mount, it covers Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters. If the Lord would have just read it as we have it in front of us, 
According to my Android phone, he could have done so in 15 minutes. When I preached on this series about uh, 12 years ago, it took me 60 messages. 60 messages to say what God says. You know, because His words are so full. So full. And if we start with the end in mind, how important it is for us to understand this sermon, because as he comes to the conclusion of this sermon, he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings, what is these sayings? The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He shall be, he says, of mine, and, and then do with them. Not a forgetful hearer. Not someone just coming to church and, and uh, getting, oh, that was a good message or I learned something today. But going out there and applying God's Word to our lives. Yes. yes. Absolutely. I will liken him to a wise man that builds his house upon the rocks. And when the storms come. You know, that house is going to stand because it's upon the rock. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's that foundation in our life. There's no other foundation that can be laid through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have Him as your Savior, He becomes the foundation of your life. And then you can build upon that foundation. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us about building upon that wood, hay, stubble, gold, precious stones, and all those kinds of things that are there. Sometimes what people see in our lives is what we're building. Sometimes there's good things that we're building. Sometimes there's not good things that we're building. But the foundation is sure. The foundation is solid. And we get to heaven not because of what we're building. We get to heaven because of the foundation. And that's very important for us to understand. You've got to have that foundation in your life. God will change your life. You get born again, get saved, and get uh, uh, Him in your heart. He will... Uh, then help you to build a life that matters. Philosophy, principles, and all. And so, as we come to the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, as I said last week, is not about getting into heaven. This is not God's plan of salvation. This uh, principles of these three chapters is about living the philosophy of God. And, and Jesus is bringing these up. Remember, as we've been going through the life of Christ, He's trying to correct some of the wrongs. There was the, the religious people there that had become so arrogant in their religion. Self-centered in their religion. Pious in their religion. Rather than in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, as you study church history, you'll find that that's been a part of church history. Sometimes there's the blight of church history. Just like Israel, as I'm reading through the Old Testament, Israel had its good days and Israel had its bad days. When Israel had its good days, God blessed it. When Israel had its bad days, there was judgment that came upon Israel. Isn't that right? So somehow people begin to say, look at our lives and say, man, I don't have anything to do with Christianity. Look at those people that are out there. Well, some of those people might not even be Christians. They might be religious but not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus saves us, He gives us a new life in the Lord. But in that life, we can stumble and we can stagger and we can drop the ball sometimes. You all know what I'm talking about? I've done that. Have you ever done that? The foundation is sure. But sometimes there's the wood, hay, and stubble that we're building on that foundation. 
But he says, look to how we are building your life. And you hear these words and you do it. You can build upon this solid rock. And I'm telling you what, it's the journey goes. And as we're in a building project, God's building our lives for his glory. And we want to bring him glory and we want to be godly. And so as we study these beatitudes, as I said last time, you cannot be doing the be doings until you have the beatitudes. You can't go the second mile until you understand the attitudes. And these beatitudes is the idea of a blessed attitude. Okay? Blessed attitude. Yes, it should be a part of our life, but these are blessed attitudes. And yet, in the culture and all, it doesn't quite fit the culture of the Romans, nor does it fit the culture of America. Uh, this poor in spirit. Notice what it says there in verse 1. It says, Seeing these multitudes, he went up to the mountain. And when he sat, his disciples came unto him. And again, these, this word disciple is that word which means followers or learners. Could there be disciples who were not saved? Yes or no? Yes. People followed. People were learning. People were discovering. So as he goes up on this mountain, there was, uh, remember the official call of his 12 went up there with him. Then there was curious people. There was people that had seen some things and they'd follow him. There was others that maybe even the religious crowd that were following him to see what they could get out of Jesus. And so he gives them this philosophy, this, this, this sermon. And how contrary it was to the Romans. How contrary it was to the religious leaders. In fact, as I, uh, uh, Brother Wayne Johnson gave me the audiobook of The Killing of Jesus by uh, O'Reilly. And I just started uh, listening to it. So I don't know all about what's in it or not. But it was interesting. The very beginning, he began to give what the culture was with the Romans there. And their mindset. If you were a Roman, everybody else was slaves to you. They served you. That was the Roman mindset. And then uh, Herod, who was supposed to be the king of uh, the area of Israel and all that uh, that time. And remember when Jesus uh, was born and Herod says, hey, I'm not going to have anybody else usurp who I am. And he went out and had all the babies two years of age and under slaughtered. Remember that? And uh, Pat O'Reilly was talking about this slaughter and be honest with you, the, 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 uh, the, the audio book is quite graphic. Talking about how these babies were slaughtered and they'd come in with axes. Can you imagine your children uh, having them ripped out of your hands and then bludgeoned to death with either axes or they would take the child and they'd throw them against a rock? That was the mindset and the culture. And Herod, who was supposed to be a Jew or religious aspect of that, which well, we can't find anything religious. In fact, he was hated by the Jews because of his atrocities. He uh, was such an evil, immoral man that he had syphilis. And this is where Pat O'Reilly comes up with all this stuff. I'm sure he did his research. There's a lot. By the way, there's a lot of extra biblical material out there that validates the Bible. In fact, he was such an evil man that he had gangrene because of it. 
These people who want to serve themselves. And, and in fact, this word blessed means happy. And people say, well, listen, I, I, I'll be happy. And oftentimes they approach the subject of happiness for their own selfish reasons. And the more selfish we are in pursuing our happiness, the more miserable we will become. And so we see this poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about this word reduced to a beggar. Reduced to a beggar. The worldview, the world's culture is you don't want to be weak. You don't want to appear unsuccessful. You want to appear successful out there. You want the world's praise. You want the world's applause. Hungering and thirsting for money, prestige, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. An attitude of ambition. Having self-reliance and confidence. As I said last week, about your hairdo. You know, it's not about our hairdo. We're not trying to impress people of who we are. We're trying to tell people who He is. And sometimes we can get in the way, and sometimes we can be applauding the wrong person. Then also, we see the wrong view, not only in the world view, but we see the wrong view that can come into church. And they think this poor in spirit means, well, I need to be poor. I need to be humble. I need to stand up there and, and just, and, and, and just please, I hope you'll pay attention. And, 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 and I hope you'll, this will be a blessing to you. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ told Timothy, preach the word. It's the power of God's Word that will translate into people's lives and bring them transformation. It's not about the preacher. It's about God's Word and God's Spirit. Amen to that? And so why I can stand up here and, man, I've got a great book. It's God's book. It's God's Word. But people sometimes, even in their self-inflicted humility, actually have the wrong purpose for it. In other words, see how humble I am, like I said last week, how I obtained humility and proud of it. And sometimes people think, well, you know, if I come across as, as humble, you know, it's not about what you work. Now, hear me. It's not about what you're, how you're working on this. Sometimes as we can try in some of these attitudes, we can actually become self-reliant in our trying. Now, you ponder that, chew on that a little bit. And sometimes uh, we can work on these things and even on working on things, we think that we're doing it and take pride in where we are and what's happening in our lives. No, this is a divine work of grace that's given to us by the Holy Spirit that comes inside of us. And as I said last week, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking less on yourself. So it's not like I'm, I'm trying to go out there and be humble and I'm trying to be meek and all these things like that. Though those are qualities that are, that are given to us and we can, we, can, we can live out the life. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to live out what He's put into us. That, that passage that says, work out your salvation. He's not talking about uh, work for your salvation. He's talking about working out of your salvation. In other words, what God has done. He has given to us. All things that pertain to godliness. Amen to that? I'm glad. And therefore, I can take no credit in the successes 
that are taking place. But we give God the praise and the glory. So those are the wrong views. Now the right view. And as we look at this word poor in spirit, I was interesting. I wish I had uh, written it down, but uh, Richard from uh, Volunteer Christian Builders came up and read it out of my devotional Bible. And it, it, it said something like this, happy are those who are not self-reliant. I want you to ponder that because that's the idea of being poor in spirit is being empty. And so that word poor, we talked about last time, is actually emptying of yourself, being that beggar. And by the way, that's how we come to salvation. When I understand that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself, he says, yet we were without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. When I see myself as lost and destitute and a beggar, then I cry out to the Lord. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That call is not, well, God, if you got time, would you save me today and all that? It's not that. It's being brought under the conviction of our sin. And we cry out and say, oh, God, I see myself as a hellbound sinner and I need to be rescued. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be Saved. Praise God for that. Yet many in America claim to be saved and they've never seen their need of salvation. Destitute. Destitute. And when I say this, listen to me, as I say this, destitute of wealth, influence, and position and honor, I'm not saying... That those things can't be a part of your life, but they should not be a part of your soul. Does that make sense? Is there anything wrong with being rich? No. Everyone in this room is wealthy compared to the world standard. But if you let your wealth cause you to become cocky or your influence or your honor or your position... Some of you have had bosses that are like that or owners of companies or different situations and all. And sometimes those successes go to people's heads. I've seen pastors. I've seen pastors. They're put up on a pedestal. Well, guess what? If you're put up on a pedestal, where can you fall? (laughs) Absolutely. May God help us and all of us. To have the right spirit. And that's what he's talking about here. And there, there are, and, and, and when you come to this, and, and when, when I got saved, you didn't have to tell me I was a sinner. Jose, we didn't have to tell you you were a sinner either. You knew you were a sinner, didn't you? I knew I was a sinner. But you know what the thing is? I didn't realize how bad of a sinner I was. And the longer I'm saved, the more I realize how much God saved me. How many can say amen to that? That's not to me. That's to yourself though, okay? All right. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you something. The more I realize how much God has saved me from and how destitute I was, the more appreciative I am of Him. And the more I want to serve Him, the more I want to love Him, and I want to give my life for Him. I'm going to tell you something. If you've not come to that place, you need to come to that place. Because you're not going to have that blessed life until you come there. Some people have the entitlement mentality. The entitlement mentality. And I know there are needs that people have and and things like that that are taken care of. But I'm going to tell you what, we should never appreciate everything that comes our way. Be thankful for that. 
We find people that do not empty themselves and they start doing things in the Lord's, or excuse me, in their own strength rather than uh, in the strength of the Lord. There are some examples that I'd like to look at this morning, and we're going to go to Isaiah this morning, 6 5, and I've got it up there on the screen so you can follow along. But when you look at the saints of the Old Testament and even the New Testament, uh, I think of Paul when he came to Corinth, he came there with trembling and fear and weakness, and he depended on the Lord. And how important it is when God calls us. And He wants us to do something that we recognize who He is. And it's not about our ability. It's about His ability. In Isaiah 6, 5, here Isaiah got a glimpse of the Creator and understanding who God is. And when he saw the holiness of God, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Can I just say this? I'm afraid that the holiness of God is not being preached as often as it should be today. And we've lost sight of who God is. When Isaiah saw who God was, he says, I, I'm undone. He uh, says in Isaiah 57, as he's talking to the Israelites, and I'm, I've just finished reading Isaiah and Jeremiah, and I just started Ezekiel. And it's fascinating in, in these, 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 uh, these scriptures. He says in Isaiah 57, and I think Isaiah is the fall of Israel, and Jeremiah is the fall of Judah. Am I right on that, Pastor Dan, Are you, or our FBI students? Okay, something like that. Look it up, and we'll find out. Uh, you can find out on your own. But I think that's what it is. Uh, sometimes I get confused because some of the prophets were to Judah and some of them were to Israel. And there's a lot of information. Some of them were to others too, the Moabites and Edomites and things like that as well. But he says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Isaiah is representing the God of eternity. Whose name is What? Holy. And I'm going to tell you something. You know that Israel at this time was anything but holy. They were living their lives. Here's God's people going out and, and, and going against God's principles. He says, the holy. I, I do, and God says, I dwell in the high and holy place. I appreciate Brother Josh's message a couple of weeks ago on... Uh, uh, why atheism is stupid. I don't think that was quite the title of his message, but that's kind of my rendition of it. Why it only makes sense that there is a God of eternity. And in and, and, and eternity and space, there is no end. You ever figure that? I mean, they're producing these large telescopes and they're sending out these, these uh, satellites out into who knows where. They're never going to come to the end of space. Because there can't be an edge of space. Does that make sense to us? And here, uh, who God is. And I tell you what, I thank the Lord who God is. In fact, I've shared on Wednesday nights as we're dealing with spiritual um, warfare, uh, how that I pray on a daily basis the attributes of God. And uh, there, in when your message was preached, Josh, it just hit me how that those attributes have to be those attributes. They can't be anything else. 
And it starts off with omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, and, and holy, and loving, and just, and uh, immutable, and, and faithful, and patient, and gracious, and merciful. And oftentimes when I pray through those, those uh, attributes, I start there, omnipotence, and all go down the list. Well, this week I started praying on the bottom of the list and going up. Mercy, gracious, loving, and just, and all those kind of things, and sovereign. And as I, as I, as I prayed up, I just, this week, it just, I mean, it's not just this week, but this week it grabbed me in greater proportion in that who God is for us. He's merciful. He's gracious and he's loving and he wants a personal relationship with us. And I said, thank you, Lord. You ever do a job? And you're carrying a beam and you're carrying 90% of it and the guy behind you is only carrying 10% of it. Thank you for helping in who God is. He carries 100% of our lives. Thank you, Lord. I can appreciate Him and I ought to have a heart of gratitude. Jeremiah comes. You know the story of when Jeremiah was called. Uh, and In fact, when you look at these men... You'll, you'll see them as totally dependent on the Lord. If, if you were to go into Moses' life, remember uh, Moses when uh, he was called there in the wilderness at age 80 years of age? He said, man, I can't speak. God says, I'll help you. You know, too often it's about who we are, not about who he is. We've got to get a glimpse like Jeremiah and like Isaiah did that it's not about us. You remember Gideon? Y'all, how many know the story about Gideon? He was, he was, uh, he was shocking his wheat and corn and, and hiding in caves at midnight because of the Midianites. And the angel comes to him and says, hey, we want to, we want, we, we're, we're coming to use you. Can you imagine, Victor? God says, I want to use you. By the way, he has said that. Gideon says, not me. <laughs> you know, he says, my family is the least of the, uh, of the tribe of Manasseh. He says, and I'm the least in my family. Why are you coming to me? Go choose somebody who's more successful. Ever noticed in the Bible that God is looking for the weak and the foolish to confound the mighty? The Bible says his eye goes to and fro looking about the earth where he might show himself strong. And if God says, I want you to do something, you need to surrender and do what God wants you to do. And it's not about you. And it's not about you. What if Victor says when God says, hey, Victor, I want to use you. Well, here I am. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> Wrong spirit. Sometimes we have done that, though, haven't we? It's not about us. It's about Him. And our successes is about Him as well. You know, David, you know, when David was called, uh, Samuel came to his family and there was, what, seven brothers? I think that's the case. Everybody's looking at me as if I should know, and I probably should. <laughs> I mean, there's too many stories in the Bible that just so many details there and all. But as, as, as Samuel comes and says, oh, not none of these. Remember what... Samuel said to Jesse, David's father, man looks upon the outward, but God looks on the heart. 
And I don't know what David's response was. In fact, I'm not really sure he even understood that he was going to be the next king because the, the, the scenario there just doesn't quite manifest itself what was really going on in David's mind. I'm not sure he comprehended it all. But God used him. God built his life. His dependence on the Lord as you read so many of the Psalms. But then his successes is what brought him down. And I want to encourage you on this. Is when he was successful, he didn't have to go out to battle. He sent his armies out to battle. Is when he committed adultery and murder. It was when the Israelites were numerous in their, in their peace, and the, his warfares were pretty much well done. He started to number the people. Look what we've done. You know, God is looking for those who will depend on Him, not only to start the journey, but to finish the journey. You know, when we got into this building project, y'all remember that? Lord, we're too little. He says, I know. Lord, you don't have much to work with. Boy, I know that. (laughs) You ever say that to the Lord? He knows it all. And we prayed for God to open doors and close doors. We prayed for green lights and red lights. And God just opened that pathway. And as we went with fear and trembling, we said, God, we don't know what the future holds, but we're going to trust you. That needs to still be a part of this journey. And when we find the successes from God's hands, don't any one of us take credit for it. It's about His glory. I went into the building yesterday and I shared this. I actually weeped on Larry's shoulder. I could not envision on a piece of paper what this property would look like or this, this building would look like. Many of you, how many have been over there lately? <gasps> well, I'm going to take back what I called those old people from Volunteer Christian Builders. <laughs> those people have worked like ants over there. And have done so much in two weeks. And like I say, when we went in, Larry and I were up in the children's church. We're just standing there. Wow. Wow. And then I went into the auditorium. And I walked in that auditorium. Yeah. And I, I looked around. Wow. Then I looked at the platform. I said, someday, I'll, if I live long enough, I'll, I'll be standing there. Behind that pulpit. Don't ever lose sight of what God does. It's not about us. That's why it's so important for us to pray in the morning and to pray through the day. The Bible says pray always because that's our dependence on Him. I'm telling you what, you arrogant Christian that would not pray and asking God to help you in your steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered. Psalm 143 verse 8 says, Cause me... To hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way worth I should go, for I lift my soul unto thee. God, order my steps. Too many times we make our own decisions. And I'm going to tell you what, when you read about Israel there, Jeremiah, he stood up, he was called, and God says, I've put forth my hand. And touched your mouth. And the Lord says, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. 
That's the power when God speaks through you and I. Sunday school teacher, don't ever forget that. Choir member, don't ever forget that. Orchestra, don't ever forget that. You know, I in our first service, we had little Sarah up here playing her little violin, and we had all this brass over there. I leaned over to Drew, and I said, I wonder what goes through Sarah's mind when she sees these horns just pointed right at her. I'm going to tell you something. I'm so thankful that we can do anything for God's glory. I'm telling you, I am so thankful that I get to play that. I've shared this story maybe in times past about my upbringing when I took guitar lessons. My guitar teacher was not a part of the 21st century. He was not into self-esteem. He was not into making you feel good. After a couple lessons, he went to my parents and told them, don't waste your money. I want to tell you something. What a privilege it is to serve the Lord in whatever capacity He gives us. Jeremiah says, or God says, I'm going to put your words in my mouth. Do you think that, that uh, Israel listened? They didn't. In fact, as I was reading in chapter 42 and 43 of Jeremiah, it was talking about this king that was just a bad king. And there was a lot of bad kings. And uh, this marauder and his followers came in and they killed that king. And they, they actually delivered Israel or Judah from the, the blight of this evil king. And they came to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, will you go before the Lord and find out what you want, what, what, what we should be doing? And Jeremiah came back and he says, you guys need to flee to Egypt because destruction is coming to this town. Sounded like a sincere request, but the people didn't like what they heard. And they rebelled against the words that God gave Jeremiah. And you read the end of Jeremiah and your heart will break of the slaughter that came to those people. May God help us to be obedient to what God has for our life. I was reading in my Bible Pathways this morning and it says, when we turn to God for answers, it is foolish to deny what we don't want to hear. Ezekiel uh, chapter 7. And I'm in Ezekiel and, and I discovered from Bible Pathways, that's our devotional book for those that are new in our church, that uh, some of us have been using to read through the Bible and it gives usually a commentary section on that passage. And and uh, sometimes I get mixed up with some of my Bible facts, and some of you have caught that in past times, but try to be very accurate with it. Uh, but finding out that Jeremiah and Ezekiel have kind of an overlap of their time. As Jeremiah is coming to the end of his ministry, Ezekiel's beginning his ministry. So they're, they're, as Jeremiah is ending, Ezekiel's coming on the plane when all this deportation is taking place and all this destruction is taking place. And Ezekiel is telling them, listen, listen, if you just listen. And he gives this in chapter 7. He says, they have blown the trumpet. The sound has gone forth, even to make all ready. But none goes to battle. For my wrath is upon all the multitudes thereof. Israel had gone a whoring after strange gods. 
after everything that God had done for them, even God in His mercy said, you know what, if you just turn back to me, I'll rescue you. And I have just been overwhelmed by reading these chapters of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and the slaughter of people because they would not follow. You know, we tell people, prepare for eternity, except Jesus Christ is your Savior. I'm telling you, there's no greater slaughter that's going to take place than what's going to happen at the end of the world. When people die without Jesus Christ as their Savior. People don't even take that seriously today. I was reading in Ezekiel chapter 8, and Mike, this is, this is in my devotional Bible, but it was people were just poo-pooing God's Word. And in, in, in my devotional Bible, it says they're thumbing their nose at God. I try to take the Bible very personally, and I say, God, I don't want to thumb my nose at you. Oh, may God help us to be doers. That's why Matthew chapter 7 says, be hearers and doers. If we want the Creator to speak to us and to give us wisdom, follow Him. Well, there are so many other examples, but let me just give you one last example, and that's in Philippians chapter 2. Would you turn there, please? Philippians chapter 2. I'd love to go on with some other examples. And the Bible is just filled with them. In fact, this is the, the, this, this whole idea of Isaiah and Gideon and Moses and David and Isaiah again and Jeremiah. And uh, as you get into the New Testament, what he says there in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter um, 1 or chapter 2, it talks about who God chooses to go out and serve Him. Jesus Christ set the example. Notice what it says here in Philippians chapter 2. And tie this into this being poor in spirit, not haughty, not self-reliant, but relying on God. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, let me go up to verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he is God, but made himself of no reputation. Here is the creator of the universe made himself a noble reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And even what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, there is the example of our Savior. You go on in uh, Mark's account, 10, 43 through 45. He says, Jesus Christ is talking here, but so shall it not be among you. There was a squabble there. Who's going to be great? Who's going to lead? Who's going to... Uh, and he says, don't... This is... You're, you're trying to climb this corporate ladder. You know, don't be out there trying to climb the corporate ladder. Just say, God, you have me where you want me. I'm just going to be what you want me to be. I need to be what you want me to be. Enable me to be what you want me to be. Again, sometimes trying puts us in the wrong camp. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your servants. 
Whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be servants of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. God wants us to live for others. Do to others as you would want done for yourself. Isn't that right? John 14.10. This might surprise you, but here's God in the flesh on this world. And this is what He says in, uh, the, up in, in the Upper Room Discourse. Did I say that right? Discourse? Good. I usually say discord, and it's, it's not a discord, it's a discourse. <sighs> I'm so glad that I don't do well in English sometimes because sometimes that helps me to be humble. Sometimes I miss up, mess up. That helps me to realize I haven't arrived. And by the way, if you don't have some of that spirit in you, uh, God has ways of messing you up too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, improving us. It truly is an improvement. Believest, this is Jesus talking. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. You know, here's the creator of the universe depending on God. For the functions of his life. Isn't that something? Now if Jesus does that, shouldn't we do it? Then Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ. So this poor in spirit doesn't mean, Victor, I can't do it. Well, maybe I can't, but God can. And sometimes we cut ourselves from going forward for the Lord because we look at it through our own abilities. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am thankful that we can depend on God in whatever we do. You know, when I go and counsel with people, and, and I'll tell you, some of the problems and struggles that people have, Cheryl, you probably run into some of this as our ladies counselor in our church. We pray. I, I imagine every time when you have someone come in, you pray, God, help me to know what to say to these people. Don't stop doing it. Keep on praying. Every time you get up and preach, Pastor Nathan, I'm sure, Lord, I can't preach in my own strength. I want you to preach the Word. It's so exciting. And then, I love this verse. This was the verse that was given to me just before we got into the building project. Have not I commanded you. Uh, Steve Waterfield gave me this verse. I mean, it's in the Bible, but he brought it to my attention and I started memorizing it. Have not I commanded thee. Be strong and of a good courage. So poor in spirit doesn't mean that you don't have good courage. In fact, you can have the greatest courage because you serve God through His strength. You see what I'm saying? Not self-reliance, His relying on Him. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And then the last verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure. We have God working through us in earthen Vessels. Remember what the Greek word for earthen vessels is? Dirt pots. We have this treasure in dirt pots. That the excellency of the power 
may be of God and not of us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that you'll just now work and continue to work in our hearts. Sometimes we defeat ourselves because we look to our own strength, even to correct some of the things that are negligent in our lives or missing in our lives. And Father, we need to depend on you in every aspect. For we walk by the Spirit, not in the flesh, even in our spiritual journey. God, there's some things there to chew on. There's some things to chew on. In other words, Father, you have given us, when you save us, you gave us all things that pertain to godliness. You gave us all this inside of us. We just need to live out what you have given to us. Father, we're not trying to be humble. We're not trying to to do these things. We're going to trust in you that you will lead us. And instead of focusing on ourselves, we want to focus on you and on others. Father, if we can catch that little treasure, that little key. Instead of thinking, woe is me, or, or thinking how we can or can't. If we would just focus upon you. What you have for us, what you want to accomplish and depending on you and seeking your face and walking in the strength of the Lord rather than walking in our own strength. Father, I pray that we'll catch this. That Lord will serve you and continue to serve you in this way. Father, I'm thankful that you knew the timing that we need and the things that you allow us in our lives. Sometimes, Lord, parents are giving their children things too early. And therefore, they don't appreciate the privileges and find themselves unthankful and more demanding. Father, I'm glad you're the great parent, the great father of our lives who knows when to give and what to to, to hold back, what things to allow to build our lives, to strengthen our lives. And Father, that we will not become self-reliant. Lord, I'm sure all of us have come there at times and sometimes we lean on our own understandings and sometimes we have thumbed our nose at you. We ask you to forgive us of that. But I pray that your word would come into our heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Help us to trust you. Help us to look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for the treasure of your word. That is the power of your word that is like the plow and the sword that divides asunder the soul and the spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And God, we just want to keep our eyes upon you. So Lord, help us to trust you. Now if there's heads about and eyes are closed, if there's anyone in here that has not cried out to God as a destitute beggar, oh God, save me. Why don't you do that today? You can do that right now. Oh, God, I see myself. I can't get to heaven in my own strength. I'm going to trust in Jesus. Why don't you do that right now? And then maybe you're involved in Christian ministry or you're not involved in Christian ministry because of some of the attitude that maybe is not right. Do straighten it up. We have nothing to brag about except our Lord. May he be seen in our lives. Thank you, Father. You said, let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father. May you be magnified. May you always be magnified at Westside Baptist Church. 
decisions that are made today, we give them to you. The blessed Holy Spirit's working in hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.